good Monday morning. As you can tell, I'm in a different place, but as I travel about the country, I like to go ahead and record these so that we can have them ready for you, no matter where I am or what's going on. Now, I'm aware that last week was most likely very, very challenging for some when we talked about the difference between truth and facts. There are, uh, there are a lot of ways to define words, and that's one of our issues. I'm actually reading a book right now by William Lane Craig, who I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of his work. And he is melding here uh, science in this particular book, what we know now, with scripture and searching for the historical Adam and you know, what can we believe in the light. And it's, it's an amazing book. And he defines myth in a way that I wouldn't define myth. But once again, he has quite a lot of credibility because he has a great deal of people that say myth always involves supernatural uh, beings, deities and the like, and that other things are legends or they are tales told. So I'm aware that I might be using words in a way that you don't use them. And I get that. So I want to be very, very clear about this. The Bible teaches us truths and it very often uses facts to convey those truths. But Jesus, for example, did not always rely upon facts. Sometimes he relied upon stories, stories that were fiction, and yet they were enough of the everyday that people could bond with them and understand the truth. So were they facts? Did a sword go off to, to sow and exactly these things occur? Well, perhaps sometime, but that's not Jesus's point. He was making a point about truth and its reception and what happens post-reception of the truth or what happens when the truth is not accepted at all. And so the truths were there using a, a fiction, but again, a heavenly story with an earthly meaning as well. How, I was raised to teach uh, the, the parables. Think about this. The Bible uses language the way the common people use language, not the way lawyers use it, not the way philosophers use it, but the way common people do. And so in the Psalms, when it says the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God, we all understand what that means. That means that God owns the hills and the cattle, period. Does it mean he owns the, the cattle only on a thousand hills? Well, no, no, that's not a fact. It is a truth that God owns the cattle and the hills. He's in charge of the planet. It's just a way, human way of saying it. Even today, I opened up uh, the, the blinds here at this hotel to take a look at the sunrise except the sun didn't rise, the earth turned. I know that, you know that. So if I say, I saw the sunrise this morning, that's not a fact, but it is a truth that I looked upon the sun as it became apparent, as it appeared in the sky. You see how we get this? And so whenever the Bible says Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, and it also says Jesus was three days and three nights in the grave. And yet we count the hours and Jesus wasn't three days and three nights in the grave. Then we understand the way they use language is a bit different than ours. We, 
we demand absolute precision and if you don't have absolute precision then we attack you on Twitter but back then they understood the concept of three days and three nights we do too if we're in casual conversation I'll see you in a few days a couple of days ago I I'll be with you in a minute sometimes you know you do that all the time see all of these we are using non-facts as a way to express a truth a reality how about Paul when Paul exclaims in his writing that the gospel has now gone out to the entire world all the world that's not a fact he was telling a truth that the gospel had gone out into all the world he knew there were people out there talking about the gospel everywhere that Paul knew about but he knew nothing of sub sub-saharan Africa or Southeast Asia he knew nothing of the the natives that were uh, already establishing civilizations and had for a long time in Central and South America and those that migrated into North America he didn't know any of those so when Paul said that the gospel had gone out into all the world was that a fact no but it did relay a truth that the gospel had started from very humble beginnings and within the lifetime of Paul he had seen it go from almost nothing to filling up the world as he knew it and that's what he was trying to say he wasn't trying to say anything more than that this helps us whenever we struggle with a scientific discovery be aware that science is always changing that's what it should do if anything about the last two or three years has taught us anything it is that science often gets things wrong it is often uncertain it is often our best guess at the moment and that's that's not something you all necessarily want to run and jump and put your eternal security into so if the scientists come out tomorrow and say here's this new thing we found I'm going to look at the evidence open-eyed willing to see but I'm also going to remember that other people have said the same thing and then been lost and tossed in the dustbin of history so what a, what's true and what's a fact usually the Bible tries to make it fairly clear that it's telling a story think of the book of Esther one of my favorite books never mentions the name of God in it and therefore it almost didn't get put into the Bible there were a lot who um, Jewish and Christian who challenged it for a while but I love the story and the story teaches us the fact of bravery the fact of courage the fact of what one person can do the fact of what faith can do all of these others but there is a problem Xerxes Persia wrote everything down everything and in fact there's a bit of that in the book whenever he can't sleep the king can't sleep and so they read to him from the official documents about Big Thin and Teresh who had uh, thwarted this murder plot against Xerxes and he goes wow that's the first time I've heard the story you know what do we do to reward these people they wrote everything down and we've got a lot of it when I say we modern man and but also quite a lot of the British have it because the British used to own most of the planet or the Sun never set upon the Empire 
And so they would get stuff and take it back. And in the British Museum, you've got a ton of stuff from Persia and Xerxes, but you've also got it there in the Middle East. You've got it in collections in, in North America. <coughs> Excuse me. So what am I trying to get to is this. We have a list of the, of the queens. Vashti is on the list. Esther is not. And it is Vashti's children that are considered royalty and take their place in the next generation. We see no mention of Esther. So, did the story happen? I don't know. I don't really care because it's a story that gives us power and hope and great truths. And so, I'm cool with teaching it as fact, but I really teach it as truth. And I'm hoping you're following me. When I was a young boy, I would go around with my father when he showed five film strips from the Jewel Miller film strips. And those of you of a certain age and my old tribe will know exactly what I'm talking about. And there was a section on Noah and the flood. And it would throw in a slide, and I see the slide in my head today, that proof of the universal flood is that as you dig down, no matter where you dig down on the planet, there is a big section of clean water-laid clay proving that at one time the earth was all flooded. Except we know that's not true. There, you can dig thousands of places and never come across anything like this because we have. We've seen that. At the time the film strips were made, that was probably okay to say that. But life changed. So now what do we do with the flood? I think the flood tells us some amazing truths. And I think that they're, they're, it could be factual. I have no issue with factual flood. But to me, fighting about the flood, whether it was universal or not, is, is a waste of time. What are the truths in the story? You may not be aware of this, but early Christian writers, all the way up through Augustine, normally called Augustine, said that if we keep demanding that every word and every story be taken as literal truth, we will be embarrassed and ashamed whenever more information is learned. And I think we have been. The story of creation was told to an early people who had no scientific background, no scientific thinking, no precision in their language. And in fact, if you go to those areas today, and these are people are not living in modern cities like Haifa or Tel Aviv, but they're out in the desert. They, they are Bedouin, they are Tuareg, they are, they are movers in the deserts all the way down to Southeast Asia, many places in Africa. People cannot tell you how old they are because that's not the issue. They will tell you who was doing what when they were born. They were born during the time of an event or a person they don't work with that kind of precision. And so what's God going to do talking to them about crea creation ex nihilo? So tonight, and this is being recorded weeks ahead, but tonight I'm going to be talking to a church and a couple of house churches that are coming together to talk about science and the Bible. And one of the good news I get to tell them is the Bible wasn't written as a scientific textbook. It wasn't written to give us scientific facts. It was written to give us truths and how we decide to deal with the truths 
that matters to our present and to our eternity. We can talk more about this if you'd like. You can fire off questions at info at rsafeharbor.com. I hope you have a fantastic week. Remember to live the truth of Jesus. And by the way, his life was factual. It happened. It's in the records. We have witnesses. And the teachings that he gave us are the truth that should guide us from here to our home. And that home is going to be great. Have a great week. Cheers.